if you've been to the membership course yet, uh, it doesn't. It happens often, and we don't plan it. But as Kathy and I tell the story of how we came to BCC, we often almost tear up and start crying because it was such a momentous thing. For the first time in my life, we had a vision. I had a vision. I, I've only ever had two visions in my life. And before that time, I, I was a kind of like, I, I, do visions still happen? I, I believe it's in the Bible. But I had this vision about coming to BCC and it was really emotional and, and quite moving about flying over the city and really strange. And if you come to the membership course, I'll, I'll tell you all about it. But it had this, this vision thing. And then we got a phone call, unusually, from, from the leaders of BCC asking us to come. And it was like, oh man, this is happening. And then there was the vision, the excitement, the phone call. And then we had to wait until the interview the decision, the prayer, the actually get in here. And it was like, almost like, I don't, well, it, I think it was about seven months, the whole process. It felt like seven years. Are you good at waiting? I'm terrible at waiting. Why does God make us wait for things why does God put us on a road why does God put us on a journey you know I don't want to be rude to you in any way I would never be that way intentionally although I know I put my foot in it loads of times with you guys but are you like a donkey you'll know what I mean if you watch the screen there yet? No. Are we there yet? Not yet. Hey, are we there yet? No. Are we there yet? No. Are we there yet? Yes. Really? No. Are we there yet? No. Are we there yet? No, we are not. Are we there yet? No. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Hey, that's, hey, not, that's funny. not funny. Hey, that's really that's immature. That's really immature. See, this is why you nobody like no one likes ogres. All right, you're All lost. right, you're lost. I'm gonna just stop talking. Finally. But this is taking forever. Shrek and ain't no in-flight movie or nothing. The kingdom of far, far away, donkey. That's where we're going. Far, far away. All right, all right, I get it. I'm just so darn bored. Well. Find a way to entertain yourself. (sighs) 
five minutes. Could you not be yourself? For five minutes! Ah! Are we there yet? Yes. Oh. Have you done that? Are we there yet? Lord, how long is this going to be? Lord, couldn't you speak to him? Couldn't you speak to her? Surely, I haven't got to travel this road any further. Are we there yet, Lord? How could we stay together in a process? How can we wait? Paul went on some incredible missionary journeys and one of the questions that we all have is why is it that God puts us on a road? Why does he put us through a process? Let me read to you what Paul said at the end of his first missionary journey. In, if you've got a Bible, it's in Acts chapter 14, uh, verse 21. It said, They preached the gospel in that city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconian, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. And then, after being through this, this road trip, after going on this, this was one of the revelations that he had. He said, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. And Paul and Barnabas then appointed elders. Having traveled on the road, he got the revelation that, you know, this isn't going to be just plain sailing. So if you want to answer the question, why does God put us in a process of waiting? I think there are at least two important reasons. And the first reason is about your calling. God wants to refine your calling so that he can make it so that what he's putting into your life, he can bring it out so he can use it so that you can become the most effective person that you're supposed to become. And the second thing that he wants to do is he wants to teach us how to endure, how to go through things. Um, if you put on the slide where the, the tube map is, guys, here's, put the next slide on. What God is doing is he's bringing out your character. Next slide. And then what he did was in his uh, travels is, if you go back to that one, yeah. If you look at the red circle, um, the one that's flashing up and down, the red circle, this is his first missionary journey. And in that journey, Paul finds out two really important lessons. The first thing that he does, these are all of his missionary journeys, is that he begins to understand a calling that he had. You see, when Paul first became a Christian and his dramatic conversion in, in Damascus, Paul had this inkling, this, this kind of insight that he was going to be called beyond the Jews. Now, Paul was a Jew of Jews. He knew the Jewish law. But strangely, God said, I want you to be a light to the Gentiles. You don't pick it up as much in the Acts chapter 9 uh, illustra uh, 
account of his conversion. But by the time he gets to Acts chapter 26 and he's describing his calling to Festus and Agrippa, he says, I, I was called to go beyond my Jewish boundaries and I was called to go to the Gentiles and be a light to everyone. It was on this trip that that seed thought on this red line, when he goes on to Cyprus and he goes down to Seleucia and Salmus and Paphos, he's on an island there when he's on Cyprus and he gets opposition there from a witch and from other people. But then he goes over to Poseidon, Antioch and Iconium, Lystra and Derby and through Pergia. When he goes through those cities, this calling of going to the Gentiles that had been in his mind and in his heart becomes crystallized and starts to come out. One of the reasons that God has put you in the situation and in the process that you're in is because what God is doing is he's bringing out what he's put in. What Paul and Barnabas said was this to the Jews there. He said, we had to speak the word of God to you first. And then because of your rejection and your opposition, and actually Peter began to minister to the Jews, that you do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life. Now we turn to the Gentiles. Paul had it in his mind thinking, is this, is this it, Lord? And it was on this trip that this calling to the Gentiles came out. He said, I've commanded you to be a light to the Gentiles. God has got you in the job and journey that you're on and in the series of circumstances that you're in so that he can teach you and you can realize the next step in what you are really supposed to do and what you're called to. See, Paul's missionary journeys, they had a pattern to them. Paul would, first of all, he'd go to a city and he'd throw out an invitation and evangelize and say, does anybody interested in Jesus? And then the second thing he would do is all the people who would be interested in Jesus, he would gather them together and they would become a church. And then the third thing he would do, he would go back to those cities and say, you're doing well. Now, here's a leader. And he would establish elders. So he'd throw out and evangelize. Then he would gather a church together. And then he would establish elders. Now, the same pattern is the same pattern with your calling. What God's going to do to you is he's going to throw out an initial invite and say, do you want to do this? And some of you have got a little seed invite that God has thrown out to you for many years. And the second thing he's going to do, he's then going to gather you together and put you in relationship with some people. It's called this church. So that that seed can come out so that your calling can be realized. And then he's going to put you in an accountability structure so that that can be protected and brought out to its best. Look at this next slide, because this is the, the pattern that God has for calling. 
first of all, an invite. Do you want to do this? Do you feel this? Wow, you started crying when you see this happen. There's a process going on. And I'm just wondering today if there's a, if there's a seed in somebody's life, if there's an invitation in somebody's life, and that God's throwing out an invite to you. And then there's a connection where God says, listen, if you're going to do that better, get connected with this group of people. If I can bring that out, if you will, learn to live with some people. And then he brought our calling in an accountability where we have to say, I'm not just a personal worshiper. I'm part of a team now and I'm under an accountability and my worship ministries going even beyond that I thought. It's this pattern that I just want to teach you today about calling and which stage are you at. Some people are at the invite stage. You feel something. Now, let me just say, sometimes there's a time when a group feels something and you just go along with it and you think that's your invite. What a calling is, is God's personal invite to you. Don't just get involved in things just because the group are, but understand that once God gives you a calling, He's going to place you in a group. So invite, what's God inviting you to? I'm using the word invitation because it's like coming to a banquet. It's like coming to a road trip. It's like coming to a journey. It's like God's inviting you and saying, listen, I, I just feel like you should be part of the prayer team. I feel like, I feel like you, you perhaps have got a heart for that nation. Why don't you start praying about it? He's going to start inviting you to things and that becomes a calling. And then he's going to connect you and then he's going to put you in an accountability. I have met so many Christians who start off with a calling. And because they don't follow the process through, they miss their calling. I just wonder if you're missing any of these stages. Have you ever really been invited to what you say? Can you point back to a moment or a process where you say, yeah, I think God was really speaking to me there. Who are you in relationship with? Who are you connected to in order to bring your calling out? I don't believe that God calls people to be lone rangers, do you? I don't believe that God calls people just to have their individual calling where they do it on their own. In fact, I've been in this city for nearly 10 years now and I have noticed that there can be times when there's lone rangers who, who have callings all over our city and they're not connected to anyone. And eventually, that calling won't work. And then I wonder whom you're accountable to. We have to have accountability so that God can shape us even more and bring even more. I'm going to do the turn to your neighbor thing. Turn to your neighbor and say, have you got an invite on your life? Just ask them that. Have you got an invite sitting on your life? How's that invite going to come out? You see, the reason God has put you in a process, the reason why God had to meet, to wait to get to BCC, he was refining my calling. He was making sure that I really wanted to do it 
that I really wanted and understood about it. He was refining it. But the second thing, that it re- and the most important or a very important thing why he puts you on a road trip is not only calling, he's going to help you to endure in your character. He's going to put you in a process so that you can be an effective witness. Now, and I'm going to just spend just a few moments talking about how you can endure. You know, on this first missionary journey, Paul had some opposition. He had an opposition, demonic opposition from a, from a sorcerer on the island of, of Cyprus there. He, he also had opposition from jealousy. It says in Acts 14, 13 verse 45, the Jews saw the big crowds and were jealous of Paul. You know what? We are going to do the turn to your neighbor thing, but I want you to hear something. You're good enough for somebody to be jealous of you. Spiritually, by grace, I know some of you don't want to hear that. Some of you thinking, who little old me? I, nobody's going to be jealous of me. Who would be jealous of me? Listen, I want to tell you in the spirit, this is the prophetic bit. I believe God spoke to me this morning for one or two people today. You're good enough for people to be jealous of you. In fact, some of the opposition you're getting is from jealousy. Now, please, don't stand up right now and go, yeah, that's me, because that wouldn't be appropriate. But listen, do turn to somebody now and say, you're good enough for people to be jealous of you. Now, there shouldn't be. Stop thinking that you're not good enough. Paul's ministry created jealousy and some things will be opposition because of that. Paul had misunderstanding. They thought he was a god. In, when he got to uh, one of the cities, to Iconium, they thought he was a god. And they misunderstood it and he had opposition because of that. Others simply, just simply, did not agree with him. And they, so they made a plot to kill him. When you are on a process and in a journey, have you heard the term plain sailing? That never applies. It never applies to us. There will always be opposition. And if Paul had opposition, why do you think you'll be any different? So you have to learn to endure. You have to learn to go the distance. Four quick ideas, and then we're going to worship together. First of all, if you're going to learn to endure, you have to understand that you will have a bad day. But every day has a kingdom purpose. I know that on platforms all over these cities, this city, there'll be some ministries that will never tell you you'll have a bad day. They will always talk to you about prosperity, success, and going to the next level. But I'm come by to tell you that the scripture teaches there are times when you will have a bad day. You'll go to the doctors and you'll expect one diagnosis and you'll go, oh my, I wasn't expecting that diagnosis. You'll go, sometimes you'll go into work and you'll be expecting a pay rise and actually sometimes you'll walk out with your P45. Yeah, that will be a bad day. You'll get down on one knee and one day she'll say, no, that would be a bad day. Stephen, don't worry about it, it's all settled. 
but you will have a bad day. But listen to the second half of my sentence. Every day that you have will have a kingdom purpose. And there will be times when you won't know that kingdom purpose, but you will have to understand that, you, that God has a bigger plan for you than the one that you thought was going to happen. You need to recognize that if you try and avoid the bad day, that you may be limiting and making God's plans in your life a lot smaller, a lot, a lot more tame. Let me tell you, remember Peter with Jesus? I can't think of a worse, a worst rebuke. Jesus comes along and he says, I want to tell you fellas that I'm going to suffer at the hands of the priests and the Pharisees. And Peter takes him aside and says, oh no, Jesus, that would be a really bad day. Surely not for you. And Jesus says, says, just imagine. I mean, Alicia, we're trying to train you. What if I said to you, Satan, if I called you Satan, that would be a terrible thing to say. Jesus calls one of his disciples, says, get behind me, Satan. And he says it because he says, don't you limit my future and don't you say that I can't have this bad day because if I have that bad day, you all are going to get a very good day. Because the plans of God were to save the whole world, not to just cause Peter to not to be discomforted for a moment. You see, sometimes you're going to have a bad day because God's got huge plans for you and He needs to put you through that so that you can achieve even greater and better things for Him. Now I know that that's going to be difficult for some of you to hear. I know that some of you are struggling with some things. But the way that you're being a witness, even in the midst of your pain, is leading other people to glory. So don't put avoid your bad day. Second thing, understand that nothing... Now, I know this can be lame, but I want you to kind of do it because I'm preaching a little bit different. Everybody say the word nothing as if you really mean it. Like, shout it at me. Oh, that was, that was kind of lame, you know. I mean, you say, nothing! Okay. Understand that nothing can separate you from the love of God. No matter what you're going through, you can still experience that God loves you. He cares for you. And that even when the clouds cover the sun, the sun is still there. Even when the circumstances don't tell you, God's love is still there. It is a fact of history, both spiritual and actual, that Christ died on a cross demonstrating that God loves you. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. And when you feel separated from the love of God, one thing that I always do, one thing that the Scripture teaches us, let's look back to Calvary. Let's look back to Jesus dying on the cross. Let's look back to Him saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And actually, that will convince you again, no, I'm not separate from the love of God. In dark moments, 
you can still, you may not feel the joy. There are times when the peace passes understanding, but it's kind of thin. But the love of God is like a river and an ocean that you can still experience. Endure. You will not endure if you don't keep looking at the cross. Third thing. Understand that you have to have your own revelation of Jesus. Now, I know, and I'm not going to do this often, I know that you know that I'm a proud granddad. We had a little video the other day of my granddaughter taking tissues out of a box and causing a mess. For her mum, that was a pain. For us as grandparents, it was so cute. (laughs) Any other grandparents in the house? You know... I used to worry, I used to think about my mom when, I was, when we were raising our girls, how she just lets them off with everything. I now know it's just grandparentage. It was so funny, so great, and so annoying to her mother. I'm going to tell you something. I'm a, oh, by the way, next week I'm away at my granddaughter's dedication. and So that's great, isn't it? It's just great, those things. Let me tell you something though. God does not have any grandchildren. He only has sons and daughters. I'm going to say a word to you guys. How, how many of you were raised in church? That Just raise your hand. Just don't be ashamed of it. It's God's will. You know, it's not God's will for you to be on drugs, uh, run with gangs like Nicky Cruz, and then come to Jesus in a dramatic Uh, conversion it's God's will for you to grow up in a Christian home to be a part of the church for the rest and for all of your life and never leave him that's God's perfect will for every child and man and woman raise your hand if you were raised in the church and that you were I want to say to you that's a great blessing for you but can you point back to the time or the season when you made it your own that it wasn't your parents that you're not just a church goer, it's not just a culture. I'm going to be reading today at the uh, Jamaican Independence Day, and one of the dignitaries, if you, I don't know, I've never been a dignitary in my life, Kathy. Uh, you know, they're inviting me to come, and I'm going to read at the raising of the flag, and uh, I'm just so honored to do that and be a part of that. And, um, but what I'm going to say. I'm going to say that, you know, that nation was founded on the Word of God. But it, but it can't just be a cultural thing why we're, why we're in church. It has to be that you have met Jesus and that you know Him personally because when it comes, push comes to shove and circumstances change... It won't be your heritage. It won't be your family. It won't be the fact that your parents brought you along to church. It won't be because you grew up this way and you have a nostalgic view of old pastor so-and-so. It won't be any of that that will get you through. It will be the fact that you know Jesus personally and you have a personal revelation of him because it's then that that teaches you to endure. That's why I'm following God. I'm not his grandchild. I'm his son. I'm his son, and so are you. What is 
your revelation of Jesus now. As older Christians and people who've been with Jesus a while, are you just now in a routine or are you on a revelation journey where God is showing you something? I wonder what's the next thing that Jesus wants to show you. Last thing for you to endure. This is why he puts you on a road. It's really important that you don't get stuck in pain. I've been, I've been in ministry nearly 40 years now and I kind of know that you often see that there are some Christians that they are stuck in pain. Pain has a process and so does healing. I've, I've always wanted to say this in church. Is there a doctor in the house? Don't be afraid of it. If you're a doctor, wow, really? How many doctors have we got in the house? Man, if, it, oh, if an epidemic breaks out right now, we're all safe. You as doctors, t tell me if I'm wrong. Shout out. You're wrong. Okay. Have you ever been, I don't know whether you're GPs or you work in a hospital, but somebody, you give them a kind of process of how to be well, and they ignore it. And you think to yourself, if you just do that which I'm saying, I know that you'll get to the end of this. Am I right or am I wrong? So isn't it annoying if you I don't know whether we've got a GP, isn't it annoying when you give people something and you say, did you take the, the prescription? And they go, no, no, I didn't. You think, well, just waste my time again. You know it's kind of same spiritually. There's a process to pain. There's also a process to healing. You have to cooperate with the answers of God rather than becoming a victim of the problem. Everybody with me, turn to Psalm 142. And I'm going to just give you a grab bag of things that, that the psalmist says here so that, so that you can know of ways that you can move through the process of, of pain. Psalm 142. Uh, let's read it with me. Oh, Lord. Somebody buy me a book. For those of you listening on tape, old man playing with technology right now. And the fact that I've said tape proves that I'm an old man. <laughs> Psalm 142, read it with me. I cry aloud to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. I pour out before him my complaint. Before him, I tell him my trouble. When my spirit grows faint within me, it is you who watch over my way. In the path where I walk, people have hidden a snare for me. Look and see, there is no one at my right hand. No one is concerned for me. I have no refuge. No one cares for my life. I cry to you, Lord, and say, well, you are my refuge. My portion in the land of the living. Listen to my cry, for I am desperate in need. Rescue me from those who pursue me, for they are too strong for me. Set me free from my prison. Set me free from this prison, Lord, 
And if you're in a prison today, there's freedom. Set me free from my prison that I might praise your name. Then the righteous will gather around me because of your goodness to me. You know, sometimes don't you think we should forget anybody preaching and just read the Word of God some mornings because it's just encouraging, isn't it? Everybody stand with me because, and you'll be standing for about five minutes. Is that all right? So if you're, if you're in pain or anything, just play, take a seat. Worship team, come back. Here's the thing about the process of pain. First of all, don't avoid it. Stop denying it. Stop saying, oh no, this doesn't matter. If you are, what the psalmist did here is, is he made it very clear, God this is what I feel. The second thing that you need to do if you're in pain is get support. Now, I I know that some of you don't like doing this, but I'm going to just ask you to do it. Turn to somebody and say to them, get some help. Stop being on your own. The the psalmist, he, he turns and says, I'm gathering the righteous around me now. Get some support. You know, if you want to go through the process of pain, pain, don't pray like this. O thou that is the heavenly fatherest heavens, in thee there is great blessing and wisdom. For those of you listening into a second language, I'm just talking rubbish right now. Thou... Thou that bringeth the water, and thou that puts the flowers in the meadows, and thou that maketh the butterfly flutter. Don't pray like that. Pray like this. Help! God, I need you! Stop praying prayers that mean nothing. Pray, God, I need you. This is my problem. I cry out to you with my complaint. Here's the principle. Pray honestly. I wonder how we've been singing and praying today. If you want to go through the process of praying, remind yourself of truth. You know what the psalmist did? He had the reality check. He said that nobody's with me and nobody cares for me. And then he kind of stops and thinks and he says but you are my refuge but you are my refuge and that is true everybody may forsake me and the only person who the father has ever forsaken is Jesus on the cross but for you everybody may forsake you and you may feel completely alone even in your marriage sometimes you may think They just don't get me. But God always gets you and He's always the refuge for you. Why don't you remind yourself of that truth? You see, you have to remind yourself that even in the midst of pain, there is still truth. And then He says, from this prison, I'm going to praise you. Hey, is there a praise in this house today at all? Is there anybody you can give God praise right now? Even if you're not feeling this, why don't you praise Him? Not just clap with your hands, but with your voice. Why don't you just say, God, I love you. I worship you. Even though I'm going through this, I'm going to praise you. Because praise from the hardest place changes that place.
from prison to praise. Come on, lift your hand up with me just one more time and just let's praise Him. Father, we love you. We just worship you. You see, the process of healing will be when you begin to praise Him. And the process of pain will be even deeper of healing you when you praise Him. You know what? I've asked you to stand, but I'm going to ask you to stand up. See, I'm not talking about your physical posture right now. I'm talking about your spiritual posture. Stand up. And Jesus, he said this. He said, I'm going to Jerusalem. And he committed to go the distance. And again, I know this is difficult for some of you, but turn to your neighbor and say, stand up and go the distance. Come on, command them. Don't don't tell them nicely. Command them. Say, stand up, go the distance. You see, if you're going to realize how to get through pain, you have to commit to going the distance. You have to say to yourself, it's not an option for me to stop halfway. I'm going the distance. Come on, say it with me. I'm going the distance. Everybody together. Come on, I'm going the distance. There's enough Christians who you know, they've sat down at the side of the road and they're no longer in the church. How about you? I'm going the distance. This pain is not going to defeat me. This misunderstanding is not going to defeat me. This jealousy is not going to defeat me. This demon in hell is not going to defeat me. This lack of truth is not going to defeat me. I am going to go the distance. I'm going to finish the course. I am going to get there. I'm going to do everything that God has asked me to do. I'm going the distance. I'm not stopping. Nobody is pulling me back. Hey, let's go the distance. Come on, give him praise. He's worthy. Last thing. Face forward. Paul said this. Forgetting what is behind. That's a difficult lesson. See, my history, my, my story is my rich heritage. And sometimes I tap into what is behind. But there comes something about the Christian life where you look at Jesus whose face is set resolutely to Jerusalem where the cross is waiting for him. But on the other side is the resurrection tomb where he says, I'm facing forward those victories, those glories, those pains, those defeats, they are behind me now. I am looking forward to the new day and the new victories and the things that God has for me. So command your neighbor one more time, even if you think it's cheesy, get over it and just go with it because I want you to command your neighbor and say to them, face forward, face forward, face forward. We are going forward. You need to go forward. In fact, if you're standing behind somebody, tap them on the back and say, face forward, don't turn around, face forward, go forward, go forward, face forward.
You see, don't you see? This is what is called exhortation. Or go across the aisle to somebody and say, face forward. Go tell them. Don't go back. Don't go back. You see, over the summer, we're going to preach fun. We're going to do prophetic. We're going to do practical. Understand this. You're going to have a bad day. But God's got a purpose for it. Understand this. You will never, ever be separated from the love of God. Understand that. Get it into your heart and mind. Understand that pain has a process, but you've got to keep moving forward. One more time, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. He's so good. And just understand this. Keep your own revelation of Jesus. I can't live in Kathy's. Kathy's can't live in mine. Keep your own relationship with Jesus. So in that spirit right now, let's still just lift our hands. And Natalie and the team are just going to lead us in a worship song where you say, Jesus, this is about me and you. Come on, let's sing to him. Keep your own revelation of Jesus and live for him yourself.